Kia ora, and welcome to the Aspire Church podcast. Wherever you're listening from, we pray this message inspires you to love strong, shine bright, and live free. All out the answers, but you think about it for yourself. Okay, so you could, there's sort of three answers you could have when you're thinking, and the first answer is yes, totally, it's right in my heart. The second answer is well, I believe it, but hmm. Maybe it's just in my head at the moment. I want it to be more, but I'm uh, not sure. And the third one, well, is no, I don't believe that. Okay? Yep. Right, are you ready? Here we go. So the first question, I better have my glasses, otherwise you might get something different. <laughs> Do you know, that's the worst thing is, I can see you absolutely fine, but I can't read that. So the first question is, do you believe that weak people can win against someone or something stronger? The second one is, do you believe that small people can overcome people or things that are much bigger than them? I mean, you think they're obvious, that's good. The third one is, do you believe that a few people can be victorious over a large number of people? And number four, do you believe that God can do the impossible? Not just as a general idea, but personally in your life. Mm. Because the things that we believe affect the things that we do or don't do. They are so foundational on how we live our lives. So do we live our lives in a comfort zone because we don't want to step out because we are not sure who will catch us? Okay, Or do we step out because we are so sure of who will catch us? Okay? So that's where we're going because the Bible, I mean, it's really obvious. I know these questions seem like, duh. But you'll see that sometimes when we face things in our lives, we realise that what we thought was a really strong faith is is being shaken. So we're going to talk about the problem of giants. So, uh, hmm. We're going to look first at a story. So first we'll just pray. Lord, come over this whole message we pray. We just seek your anointing to change and to stir in our lives. We give you permission to do some work in our lives today and to raise us up to the place that you want us to be walking with you. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, we love you. Amen. So let's turn to Numbers. So that's Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus. Numbers. In the Old Testament, Numbers chapter 13. So I said giants, and you think of David and Goliath. Well, yes, do think that, but this is another lot of giants that we're going to read about. So we're looking at verse 17 in chapter 13. So Moses sent out a group of spies, in fact 12 of them, to have a look at the land that God had promised them and to bring back a report so people would know what was ahead. I just want to say first, he didn't send out spies to decide whether or not 
they were going to go into the promised land. That wasn't on the agenda. He said that they were going. God had told them. This is why they left uh, Egypt, because there was something better. There was a promised land that God had for them, and they had committed to that pathway. Okay, so here we go. When Moses sent them to explore Canaan, he said, Go up through the Negev and on into the hill country. See what the land is like and whether the people who live there are strong or weak, few or many. What kind of land do they live in? Is it good or bad? What kind of towns do they live in? Are they walled or fortified? How's the soil? Is it fertile or poor? Are there trees on it or not? Do your best to bring back some of the fruit of the land. It was the season for the first ripe grapes. So they went up and explored the land from the desert of Sin as far as Rehob towards Lebo Hamath or whatever. And they went up through the Negev and up to Hebron where those certain people who were descendants of Anak lived. Hebron had been built seven years before Zoan in Egypt. Don't worry, that's not important. When they reached the valley of Eskol, they cut off a branch bearing a single cluster of grapes. Two of them carried it on a pole between them, along with some pomegranates and figs. That place was called the valley of Eshkol because of the cluster of grapes the Israelites cut off there. And in the end of 40 days, they returned from exploring the land. Okay, so this is it. They came back. It's fantastic. It's terrific. They came back to Moses and Aaron and the whole Israelite community at Kadesh in the desert of Paran. There they reported to them and the whole assembly and showed them the fruit of the land. They gave Moses this account. We went into the land to which you sent us and it does flow with milk and honey. Yay, let's go. Here is its fruit. Wow, that's a big set of grapes, really, that you take two men to carry. But the people who live there are powerful. The cities are fortified and very large. We even saw the descendants of Anak there. The Amalekites live in the Negev. The Hittites, the Jebusites, the Amorites live in the hill country, and the Canaanites live near the sea along with Jordan. Then Caleb silenced the people before Moses and said, We should go up and take possession of the land, for we can certainly do it. Yeah, don't you love that? I love Caleb. Wow. But the men who'd gone with him said, We can't attack these people. They're stronger than we are. And they spread among the Israelites a bad report about the land they'd explored. They said... The land we explored devours those living in it. All the people we saw were of great size. We saw the Nephilim. Well, don't worry about who they are. We seemed, this is key, we seemed like grasshoppers in our own eyes. And we looked the same to them. How did they know that? Wow. So that's scary. God had set a path for them and suddenly they're rethinking. 
Okay, so the problem of giants is about our attitude to them in some part. You know, the 12 of them all saw the same thing. But 10 of them compared the giants to themselves. Oh, wow, they're so much bigger. Oh, wow. Whereas the other two compared the giants to their God. And they said, nothing to it. We can certainly do it without God, with us. We can do the impossible. You know? So who won? Hmm. Okay, so the Israelites didn't listen. You can hear in chapter 14, we'll just go to little verse 6 there. Joshua and Caleb, who were among those who'd explored the land, tore their clothes and said to the entire Israelite assembly, The land we passed through and explored is exceedingly good. If the Lord is pleased with us, he'll lead us into that land, a land flowing with milk and honey, and will give it to us. Only don't rebel against the Lord. And do not be afraid of the people of the land, because we will swallow them up. That's not about size. That's about God. Their protection is gone, but the Lord is with us. Do not be afraid of them. You know, I hardly actually need to say anything after that, do I? You know, it's a sermon in itself. It's very, very salutary. Oh my goodness, these people had uh, a clear committed path with the Lord and they turned off it because they saw giants. Wow, this isn't just about them, is it? Because I have known people myself, and I bet you have too, who have had a clear committed path with the Lord and they have struck an enormous difficulty and they have turned off the path. And it doesn't happen in easy times. Right. You know, da 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 Oh, is there any giants here today? Oh, is that a giant? Oh, no, that's not a giant. Oh, a little bit taller than me. Oh, I don't think I'll call that a giant. Yeah. You know, you actually don't have to say, is that a giant, when you meet one. You know, it's a, whoa, that's a giant! Excuse my crackly voice. But, you know, I mean, it is so obvious... And you can't just go, oh, not today, giant. Can you come back tomorrow and I'll see what we do. You actually are right there in the thick of it and you have to make a decision. Do I stand and fight or do I run? And what you've done before, what you have prepared your heart for before, will decide what you do in that situation. So if you don't have a foundation deep, deep in God, you will not stand in adversity. And I'm speaking this to you as a message of love from the Lord on Valentine's Day. <laughs> this is God's message of love to you. I love you so much. I'm warning you. There are storms. There will be things coming this year. You are going to be afraid. You will be very worried. You will doubt. What are you going to do? That's God's word for you today. Don't count how big the giant is. Count how big your God is. Yeah.
and decide now what you will do when the giants come over there. Okay. So you know about giants. Giants intimidate. So this is where you feel you're so small you could just run under a rock. Have you ever felt like that? You know about giants is giants try to block you from the choice things of God. The promised land. The things he's promised you. Do you want to let go of the promises of God? The promise of God is yes and amen. But you choose it. And you can choose not to have that. You don't just go, oh, no thanks, God, I won't have it. No, we don't do that. But you choose it by not choosing to stand in the purposes of God. Ooh. So, like, this is the awful thing. You choose by not choosing. This is why we have to be so intentional in our walk with God, particularly in the days that we are facing now. Now, we've had a year of it, and we've waved goodbye to that year and said, oh, hallelujah, but don't get me wrong, you're not going into the promised land on a surfboard. Sorry, Wes. You will be climbing the mountain to the promised land with sweat. There will be giants and um, prophetic people in the nation are saying it as well. You know, this is, is didn't you know it anyway in here? Didn't you know it? We're not walking in a flat land full of grasshoppers. We're walking through a land of giants, but that's okay because our God reigns. Yay. All right, so I just want to read a few verses just to encourage you, and you're going to fill in the bit for me. So Philippians 4.13 says, I can do all things through, through who? Yeah, through Christ Jesus, our Lord, who strengthens us. Okay, so this is not this sort of uh, handy pride. I can do all things. I can do everything. No, I can do all things. Say that small. Through Christ. That's big. Okay, so here's the next one, Romans 8. If God is for us, who, who can be against us? If God is for us. Who can be against us? You know, that's so powerful. Get the emphasis right. The emphasis is on God. Now, here's the next one in Romans 8. Who will separate us from the love of God? Who? Who? You? Not a chance. The giant? You choose, but no, not if God has his way. Nothing will separate you from the love of God. Okay, so why does God allow these giants? I mean, let's face it, God could just say, dead! And they'd be lying on the ground. I mean, why doesn't he? I don't need them, really. I'd sort of like to walk with the primroses. But you know, if we don't have giants, we won't grow strong. You know, if trees, if trees don't have wind, they won't grow strong. 
And if we don't have giants, we can just be mamby-pamby Christians who just uh, uh, follow God just as it suits. You know, we are walking in a day now where we cannot afford this attitude because God is calling us to stand strong and we will not stand strong unless we walk a disciplined walk with God. We will not stand strong unless we know the word and apply it in our lives. We will not stand strong unless the Holy Spirit works daily. Hourly, minutely, is that a word? In our lives. Okay. So, the next bit is about what do you call someone who kills giants? Yeah, well, I just thought this is an interesting word. You know, we don't really use the word slay much, do we? You know, so I just thought I'd just make sure we knew what giant slayers do. Because what I'm saying to you is rise up giant slayers. Okay? Rise up giant slayers. Alright, so, um, you know giants, can you stand up please? Oh, I'm not allowed to do that, that's right, I'm connected to this and this and something else and... Oh, wow. Okay, thank you. So Kent is a literal giant to his son. He's a literal giant. But you know, we're not really facing these literal physical giants. The things we are facing are the very strong things that come against what the work of God is and the purposes of God are and the dreams of God are in our lives. Come on. Okay, so a giant slayer is someone who kills off these things that stand against the purposes of God. Now most of them happen in here. They might be something that comes against you and causes you to stumble and sin on something over and over again. But they might be something by circumstance that gets you a lack that you just don't know what to do about. Or it might be that there is something about a person that's so giant you don't know how to cope with it. So these are all the kind of giants that we might face. Another word we could use is the word stronghold. You know, stronghold. David says, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is my stronghold. Mm. So, you know, very often, where there is something evil, there is something good that counters it. So, where there are giants in the land, we have a giant who is so much bigger. So don't think that you're without resources. The key thing is to know our giant who surpasses every giant by so much, I can't tell you. I mean, this giant of ours is the God who created the earth, the moon, the stars, put them in place. He's the God who created the infinitesimally small cells and put them together into, to make them into an insect or a person or an elephant. 
This is the God who sustains everything in the world day by day by day. This is the God who can make life reproduce inside the body of a person, an animal, inside an egg. This is our giant God. He sits enthroned on the circle of the earth. He rides the heavens in his chariot. You know, this is our God. So how can we think that anything the devil stands up against us has any right to work havoc in our lives? We have to get a picture of God, our God, our awesome God, and stir it up in us and say no. So it's all about position. Where are you and God? So I want to tell you a story about Northern Thailand because we worked in Northern Thailand for a while, a couple of years, and um, God initially sent us to pray. So we learned a real lesson here. Um, you know, we went to pray for Laos and then for Thailand, and a lot of the time it was just being faithful day by day, uh, and it wasn't really super exciting. It was faithfully um, bowing before the Lord in worship and listening to him for what he wanted to say in a particular day and possibly missing lots as well, but doing it for the Lord. But sometimes God asks you to do something that you feel rather overwhelmed by. And there's in Northern Thailand, there are these really funny figures that... Uh, um, so, yep, there he goes that uh, you see quite often, that it's an idol. This idol is called Wetsuan. And a uh, Thai Christian lady who's an intercessor told me first about this idol. Um, and I Googled it and it said, this is the demonic entity of Northern Thailand who controls, who is given control of the Northern Gates. Oh, wow. Something in me, when you say gates, says, whoa, things that come in, things that go out. Wow. Okay, and you know, when people give a spiritual force permission, oh my goodness. Um, and so anyway, God spoke to me, and he even got me up in the night a number of times to tell me about what he wanted to do. And I don't think by any, uh, I don't think we, you know, like, now I'll start that again. You know, national and provincial um, demonic forces, you can't just go and you are unwise to just stand against them in your, in your strength or in a small group strength. You really need to work with the Lord long term on this. But I believe God wanted to disable some things. And so I was saying to God, God, I mean, we don't have experience in this kind of thing. And oh my goodness, uh, mm, what do I do? Uh, uh, and all those noises. And this, I, I, I look back in my prayer diary because, you know, I record these things because there's always a time later when I want to know what God actually said and my memory isn't always so good. So this is what the Lord said to me. You can stand before a giant and declare my victory and I surely have you covered. Remember, I am your giant, and you sit on my shoulders to go forward with my authority. 
I will tell you as you go, if you will trust like a child on dad's shoulders. Mm. You can go and do it if you will trust like a child sitting on dad's shoulders. And this is our position in God, you know. He wants to lift us up to heavenly places with him. He does not want us to try and attack things from below, hitting up. That's not God's plan. God lifts us up so that we can see his perspective and we can deal with things from the place of his presence. And we have to know this. It's the place of his presence where we find his power. Okay, so... <laughs> Excuse me. Right, so that's the first thing. We need to know our position in Jesus. Listen to this verse, Ephesians 2, 6. Paul says, God raised us up. Because, you know, you want to know, is this true? God raised us up, those who believe in Jesus, to sit and seated us with him in heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. And I had a little moment here which was rather wonderful. I know this verse. I've read this verse hundreds of times um, and I've quoted it, and I just know it in here about heavenly places with God. It's so beautiful. It's so special to me. But I got a new thought about grace. It says here, raises us to heavenly realms, and all of that in the coming ages, that's from now on, he can show the incomparable riches of his grace. What does grace mean? Okay, so I know you're all going to say, the undeserved gift of God. That's part, and it is a gift, and this is referring to a whole thing about God giving. But you know, there's a whole truth about grace that we often don't get hold of, where grace means empowerment. You know, and actually John Bevere got this so much, he had to write a whole book on it. Grace is empowerment. So why does God want to sit us right up in heavenly realms with him, even on his shoulders, which talks about his authority? Well, because he wants to show his power in our lives. This is one thing he longs to show in our lives, is his power, his extreme power. So that's the first thing we need. We need to know our position in Jesus. You know, um, we adopted a little boy from Russia a long time ago, and he's now a man, young man. But when he first came to us, he was two, and he had actually about two Russian words only, and he had um, obviously no English. We had about two Russian words as well, probably not the same as his. And... <laughs> No rush, and you know, it didn't sort of mix, but children are amazing in language. They learn really fast the things that are important to them. So I've heard little children, and they don't have many words, but they do have one particular word, and it's mine. Have you heard that? Mine, mine, mine. Obviously, they have siblings who also think it's theirs. But this little chap that we 
adopted had a word that he learned first, and it was up. It was up. Now, he couldn't even walk properly because he hadn't had the opportunity at that stage, but he would shuffle along to us and he would say, or to anyone, and he would say, why did he do that? Why was that the first word that he learnt? I think it was because he knew what was important to him and he needed to belong to someone. He needed to be close to someone and being close to someone is getting up where they are, not looking actually at the giant, but actually being right up where they are. So he said up. And you know, sometimes I think we need to know these words with our Heavenly Father. Pick me up, Dad. Oh, pick me up, Dad. Pick me up, Dad. So the second thing that we need to know is we need to know the truth. Now, people, if you don't know the truth, you will be caught by a lie every time. And a lie might just be a partial truth, and it might be the full Oh, really? But usually it's got something in it that makes you go, okay, but you've got to know. And how are you going to know the truth? Well, I've heard people say, actually, I've got a line with God. He speaks to me, so I know the truth. Ooh, I just have a wee um, ding, ding, ding in my head that says, uh, sometimes the devil sounds remarkably like the voice of God. It's true. I've been fooled. How do you know? You need to check it out in the Word. If you get a Word, check it out in the Word. Because God's Word does not go... God's Word that you hear here will never go against the Bible. So it's really important that we feed ourselves on the Word of God... So that when we get these little things that say, oh, it's okay for you to do that because you're doing it in love. Oh, but the Bible says don't do that. Oh, okay, well then that was not God's voice and we clearly need to say, get out in Jesus' name. I don't listen to you because I know the word of God says this. Okay, if you have a guidebook for the car or any other thing and you don't read it, well, that's at your peril. Now, my husband is a manual reader. That doesn't mean the opposite of an automatic reader. That just means that he reads manuals. Okay, so I'm glad you laughed. Thanks for that. I feel good. <laughs> so we got this new little benchtop oven, and it's a really classy little number. It's lovely and shiny, and it actually does cook things. But I don't read manuals very well, sort of, but if you can't do it, it must be too hard, you know. So I twisted a few knobs and got it going and stuck my pies in to warm up. Yum, New Zealand pies when you've been away from New Zealand for a while. Oh, yummy. Um, but they burnt. <laughs> it was a real disappointment. So why did they burn? And so my husband gets the manual out and says, Oh, well, you need to keep it on for 10 minutes before you put the pie in because it's preheating and the heat comes from the top and it burns anything that you put in early. So, like, oh, too bad I didn't realise that. I didn't read the manual. Very important. 
So we need to know the truth. We need to know the truth about God. Because God is good. We've sung that this morning. Now, God does not operate in things that are not good and that kill, steal and destroy. So if you're thinking that that might be something that's in God's repertoire, well, no, it is not. Read your Bible. Get soaking in it because God is good. Okay, so you need to know about how God works, how faithful he is, how true he is, how um, amazing his acts are, so you can believe it. You need to know about the strongholds that come against you. And so the Israelites said, oh, we know, we're like grasshoppers, but they were wrong. Because actually the word of God says that all the nations were afraid because they knew God was with these people. So actually that was a lie, but it was believed. So we've got to be real careful that we truly know what God says about these things that become giants in our lives. And the the third thing we need to know is about our victory. So will we get victory? Yes, of course we will, because victory is guaranteed by the blood of the Lamb. The fact that God sent Jesus who came and died and bought our victory. He bought it with his precious blood. He's paid for it. He's completed the transaction. And so we have that victory sure and certain. And you know, it sometimes takes a process of getting it, but we need to understand that completely, that victory is in our God. So when we stand in our God, we will have the victory. And we need to know in order that when things don't happen at the first instance, we don't give up. This is really easy to do. And you know, it's easy to do with a lot of things that are persistent in our lives. We pray the first time it doesn't happen. We pray the second time, can't see it. Pray the third time, oh, I'm sure nothing's changed and we give up. But you know, God doesn't always work in ways that we choose and he doesn't always work on the surface. So what he's doing under the surface, you won't know. You have to trust. So you have to know about your victory. Okay, next thing is you need to ask God about the strategy that he has for this particular giant that you're facing. Now, it will not be the same as last time. And this is our biggest problem. We think because God did it the time before in that way, that we will just do that again. Because we love sort of order and we sort of love wee boxes. Sort of distracting me a bit. Is someone calling me? Hello, Lord? I don't think it's the Lord. it wasn't the Lord. Actually, I don't mind if he comes and talks to me. That's fine. Oh, Georgina, you're a terrible one. My word. (laughs) Thank you, Lord. Okay. So we need to know the strategies and it won't be the same as last time. And so what does that mean? That means that we have to keep listening. Oh, it's so easy to just know it. 
I know how to do that. I've done that before. But no, not with God because he has a fresh way each time. And this keeps us needing a living relationship every minute of the day with the Lord. So don't sacrifice it for all the things in the world that distract you. Right, so turning the page over here. So I've got a word that I read. You know, every year I ask God, can you please give me a word for this year? So last year I said it and we were struggling with coughs and horrible bits and pieces that couldn't seem to shake. And the Lord gave me that song, I raise a hallelujah. We're going to sing it later. And it was so great. And, you know, we stood there and we sang it. We put the music on and we sang it over the things that were giants to us at that time. And that was just the beginning of last year. (laughs) Because when we were stuck in Thailand, and actually there were no planes, and even if my daughter died, I couldn't get back, we stood and sung, I raise a hallelujah. I raise a hallelujah because my God is here. You know, so this is what we have. If we hadn't sung it in the little bit of sickness, we wouldn't have been singing it when we were locked out. You know, if you do it in the small, you will do it in the bigger. It's a pattern that God uses. When David, when God was training God's, uh, David's hands for battle, he gave, sent him a lion and a bear. Well, in my point of view, that's actually quite big. I see that as a wee training exercise. But um, anyway, so when Goliath came along, David already knew how to do this kind of stuff because he'd had experience with a lion and a bear. So he's not going to leave you without the training that you need. If you will just step in line with him, he will train you for the things ahead starting today. You know, it is not too late. It is now is the time for us to step up and say, I will be a giant slayer. Now, today, I start. I declare... I will raise a hallelujah because that is the third thing that is really important when we are standing against the devil, against the devil's schemes, the giants in the land, is to say, I know my God. I know my God and I know what he can do through me. I trust him. Yeah. So anyway, this year... I raise a hallelujah, praising God. Fantastic last year. It will work. It works always for me. But sometimes it's just, oh, wow. So, Benji Alexander, I read one of his um, prophecies at the beginning of this year, and God got me on it for the year. I think it's for the year because he always gives me something. And I want to read you this little bit. Listen carefully. God wants to awaken the sleeping giant slayer, the church. But more specifically, God wants to awake the sleeping giant slayer in each one of us. God wants to awaken the Christian masses to their greatness. Hey guys, it's not your greatness actually, it's the greatness that God puts on you. 
just to be sure we know that, but that's his call of greatness. We have the greatness of God on us to rise up. So he said this too, the way God is going to awaken the giant slayers within us is by exposing giants that need to be slain or killed. So he's going to show you the giants in your internal life that need to be killed. The primary, that's the main giants that we will be called to deal with in 2021 will be internal giants. But that's not the end of it. There's a reason. As we deal with internal giants, we will be prepared to take on external giants. So here's the thing, you start with the little and you go on to be able to cope with more. So God's saying the first thing I want you to do is to deal with the giants that stand over you and intimidate you and block the promises of God in your life and don't any longer be caught in unbelief. That's what got the Israelites, they didn't believe in their God. Okay, so he outlined four giants that he felt God was saying would be major giants in 2021. So he said, just watch out for the giant of lack. You know, COVID has actually brought this to a lot of people. They've lost their jobs or their jobs are cut down. They can't go to their job when they need to. A giant of lack. This might be lack not just in finances, it might be lack personally in the ability to deal with some things. There's a lot of ways it can be lack. But the Lord says, hang on now, I'll start it, you finish it. The Lord is my shepherd. I will lack nothing. Psalm 23, verse 1. See, it says it in the word. My God will supply all your needs according to his riches and glory. So how many riches does he have? Enough for you and me and someone else? And the whole world. Yeah. Okay, so unbelief. Well, this one got the Israelites. Not believing how big our God is. Not having that relationship which makes you know in here that small people can win against bigger people. So maybe if they were asked, they might have said, oh yes, yes. But when it came to it, they didn't really believe it in their hearts. Giant of distraction. Well, it's easy to be distracted. Gosh, COVID distracts us. You know, um, you want to see every day. What's happening? Where's it now? Oh gosh, it's broken out in Melbourne again. Poor things. You know, or you know, this strain, that strain, the other strain. Distractions. But we need to be standing, looking firmly at our God. Fix your eyes on Jesus, who went through all the struggles and trials and death for us because he could see the joy ahead. You know, we've got joy ahead. 
We've got such joy. We've got joy now. It comes even in the trials. But there's joy ahead that you can't even begin to imagine because it says, in his presence is fullness of joy. I can't even begin to imagine what fullness of joy that's promised to us. Wow. You know, we could be distracted by Jesus. That would be a good one. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Turn your eyes away from the world and focus on him. Okay, then the giant of apathy. Well, this really works in well for giants because you get apathetic when you feel like you're insignificant and you can't, whatever you do, will not count for anything. Okay, it can be laziness too. But you know, this is where we are often at. What will, what will happen if I do it? Well, you know, like they say, the famous things, excuse me, just have to have this little bit of water. I think it might be a Chinese proverb that says, the journey of a hundred miles starts with a single step. <coughs> if you think that you're too insignificant to take that first step, well, you won't go anywhere. But when you take the first step, then you take the second step and you just keep going. And that's God's call to us, is to keep going. Did you know how closely depression is related to apathy? Because when you start to feel that you are insignificant, you feel hopeless. And when you feel hopeless, you can fall into depression. And that is something that the devil wants to use at this time. And I just speak that over the youth do not go there. You stand and declare the goodness of God. You stand and raise a hallelujah and do not accept this lie from the devil. But there's a lot of the rest of us as well. It's not just the use. This is a thing that comes with things like COVID. It's so easy to get depressed and feel despondent, hopeless about the situation in the world even. But our God reigns. He reigns over the nations now. You know, we have to get that. He already reigns. He has bought the nations already. So we are his people to stand and declare on the surface of the earth what God has already won in the heavenlies. This is our job, and God is saying to us today, come on, people, arise. I want you to be giant slayers in this place. I want you to start by being a giant slayer in your personal battle. And you know which one is a giant, because it's very clear. If you haven't got one today, praise God, and stand and practice. Because you're going to need this. So practice while things are good, so that when things aren't so good, you've got the pattern. You've got it all out. I know what I do. I start praising. I have praised before with tears in my eyes. Have you? I bet you have. You know, if you're going to go anywhere, you're going to learn to do this. With tears streaming down your cheeks, you will praise God. Because you know that ultimately he will win anyway. Yeah. Okay. So, we're going to stand now. Can the music people please come? Because I just love this song that we're going to sing, and I believe that this will break some things in some people's lives. I raise a hallelujah in the presence of my enemies. So I saw dancing in my spirit at this. I saw dancing as we declare over lack, 
over um, depression, distraction, apathy, unbelief, whatever is in your life, I saw dancing. I don't know if you're dancing in the spirit or you're dancing up here, but now is the time for us to start taking those personal giants and rise up as soldiers of the army of God because we've got a job to do. There's not a minute to lose. There's not a minute to lose. Start now. Thank you for listening. For more information about Aspire Church, find and follow us on Facebook and Instagram or check out our website, aspirechurch.org.nz.